We are recording. Welcome, Worshipful Brother Matt Livingston, Secretary of University Lodge 141 in Seattle, Washington. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, I'm saying I've been going through your, uh, imagining to go through your, your whole lodge, it feels like I got to speak with your Worshipful Master and uh, Brother also Brooke, and now I get to speak to uh, yourself, the Secretary and Past Master, correct? I was master in 2018, two years ago. So yeah, you went right from master to secretary. That's neat. So did uh, so did I at Harmony Lodge. Very good. So uh, I got to start off, but I mentioned this in the podcast featuring um, brother also Brooke. But thank you for sending me the uh, the koozie. Oh, you got it. University Lodge. Nice. It was. Awesome. I loved it. Much appreciated. Very cool design. It was designed by your worshipful master, correct? Uh, Brother Stagner? Yeah, he wanted, uh, worshipful brother Ben wanted to do something um, as kind of a token and kind of a way to stay in touch with the brothers. And so he came up with the idea of the koozie and he designed it himself. And being a tattoo artist, uh, artistic design is kind of his forte. So he came up with a pretty sweet koozie. And what we've been doing is um, I had a, um, in a, in the trestle board a couple months ago, I had a, a code. And if you could crack the code and send me the answer, then I would send you the koozie. And so that was one of the, uh, the initial ways to get a koozie. And then to inspire people to pay their dues, <laughs> on yeah. time, uh, I put that in the trestle board that anybody who paid their dues would get a koozie and that got a bunch more. Uh, but we've got more for guys that attend Zoom calls or guys like yourself who are kind of like a VIP guest. Uh, we shoot a koozie to them. So we, we, I don't want the koozies at my house. So we find lots of different ways to get them uh, into the hands of the brethren. But that ended up being a pretty neat deal. I'm a, I'm a guest, but I don't know if I call myself a VIP, though I appreciate the, uh, the kind words. <laughs> Very good. And, you know, we found that that was well-received and that might be a new tradition that the master every year creates some kind of small token like a coaster or some kind of fun little masonic thing that we can then mail out pretty cheaply to all the guys around this time of year so i think that's a great idea i've seen it in other lodges as well um some lodges have like a you know like my my lodges have um pins and Windsor Lodge has a uh, like a little salt um, shaker thing. Um, so some lodges have like a consistent thing that they give out just throughout their history, but other lodges have taken on the approach of every year having something special designed by the master or a prominent brother. I think that's a neat idea because it helps mark that brother's time, you know, in the chair and it's a nice little memory of the lodge through history. Nice. So, uh, you know, you, um, we're, we're talking about this before we, we started recording, but I think it's worth discussing, especially because we're both secretaries. You know, the secretary's role in a lodge, um, obviously lodge and masonry looks a lot different right now during COVID-19. Um, how, how do you view that role both in general but also right now, the role of the secretary. Yeah. 
So I'll say this is my 10th year uh, as a Mason. And for the first seven, I had no idea what the secretary did. I just knew that the train showed up on time. <laughs> and I really didn't have a good read on all the behind the scenes work that was being done in general. And I especially didn't know all the work that the secretary was, was doing, probably because we had such an amazing secretary who uh, had been at it for 30, 40 years. And, um, and then when I became master, the secretary was my guide <laughs> who helped me uh, not crash into the walls and not, uh, uh, not do a terrible job and not break the Masonic code every meeting and all of those kinds of things. So, uh, so I appreciated that, but that also uh, gave me a window into what the secretary's job is behind the scenes because we would talk uh, pretty frequently throughout the month and prepare for the meetings and prepare for different votes. And he would ask me lots of questions, which made me, reminded me of the upcoming events or upcoming decisions or reminders that needed to be sent out, um, letters that needed to be sent out, what to do with Grand Lodge visits, pretty much all, all, of, the, all of the pieces that you need to know as master. The secretary was my guide, but I was the master and he was the secretary. And I think that's the, that's the magic in it. The secretary's not driving the car, but they're in the car. They might be in the back seat. They might be giving you your GPS coordinates, but they let the master drive. And I think that I appreciated that. And as luck would have it, I guess, uh, at the end of my year as master, the secretary retired and he's uh, doing very well. We love him dearly. He's 86 or so years old now and happily retired. So the secretary position was open and he recommended me and I accepted that recommendation. Of course, the lodge had to vote and then he trained me up on everything. So the way I've tried to approach this position is much is the same as the driving analogy, but um, I like the bowling analogy where the master is bowling, but I'm the bumpers. And I, I try to help the master not throw any gutter balls and keep him in the lane, but he's bowling. I'm not, I'm not bowling for him. He, he's leading the lodge, but I'm helping uh, keep him in the lane through reminders, through policy, through um, decision-making and, and, and the like. Uh, so moving into COVID, um, it's, it's working with the, the lodge officers to come up with different uh, ways to stay connected as a lodge. And we've been doing that through Zoom calls, different uh, conversations, different presentations. Sometimes it's just a, a happy hour, just making a, a reason to get together. Uh, but I'm the point person on the website for any new interested brethren. And so in the last couple months, we've had six guys reach out who are interested in joining the lodge, learning more, this and that. And of course, normally we'd invite them to dinner and they'd meet a lot of the guys and um, get a tour of the lodge and we could put things into action. And that's a lot different now. And so it's finding ways to connect with these new guys and invite them and include them into these conversations 
that the whole lodge is having, and then also having smaller breakout um, calls on different nights so that it's kind of a small group of guys getting to know them better. I just had a call today from a guy who was reading about masonry, and so we had a nice chat, and we'll bring him into the fold. So I think that's one of the new challenges. What do you do about new interested guys who who would normally be invited to dinner, uh, but there's no dinner uh, to invite them to? And then there's also the, um, how do you keep the officers engaged? I mean, the master is, is gonna be engaged uh, because he has to be, but how do you keep the rest of the officers um, engaged in their roles that uh, you know may not may not um, they may not be performing like they normally would I'm thinking of the musician I'm thinking of the Tyler I'm thinking of the stewards where in lodge they have very important roles but outside of lodge um, they may not and so how do we keep them engaged and and part of the conversation and then you've got all the other brethren right who would who would participate in your charity events who would uh, come to lodge and be part of that brotherly experience and how do you help to keep them engaged uh, and it's hard it's a challenge because people are going through their own adventures whether it's employment finances or hardships or health or family health you know taking care of someone else so lodge is not may not be as high on their life priority list right now where normally it might be. So how do you help them make space for it? It, it kind of goes to something I've been, been talking about uh, with the worship of master and, and with my brethren is um, kind of the distinction between a lodge meeting and, and lodge activity. A lot of times here you'll hear um, brethren say, uh, you know, our Grand Lodge has suspended all lodge activity until, as of right now, January 31st, 2021, might go longer, we don't know. But I always point out, they haven't suspended lodge activity, they suspended the in-person meetings. But, um, you know, bills still need to be paid on our buildings, um, mail is still received, applications are still received. Benevolence is still available if a brother needs um, needs to put an application in for job loss or, or some type of expense. We have our, you know, we have our um, Zoom meeting, and then we also have, you know, virtual visitation, such as with with Seattle. Uh, so, it just seems that, um, yeah, I think. I'll always say that the most important thing about masonry is, is meeting in person. But even with that taken away, the, the lodge activity, you know, Masonic activity is still going strong in a lot of ways. And that's where, you know, that's really where the secretary and the treasurer in particular kind of shine. They're the ones who maintain the structure. If that makes sense, while we wait for things to resume back to normal. Yep, I think that's right. And, uh, all of the correspondence has continued, definitely still paying the bills, though there's there's less bills. Um, we just worked through our annual um, charity uh, vote. And so we support a couple different local organizations. And so 
I wrote uh, I wrote some checks that were donating which, to uh, which ones. Uh, so we have three main charities. One is the University Churches Emergency Fund, UCEF. And what they do, it's a pretty honorable uh, mission, is to reduce homelessness. And so what they do is provide funds for families or individuals who need support paying their rent, uh, or they would otherwise be evicted uh, because they've hit hard times or what have you. So they will help to subsidize and pay for some of their their rent to prevent that from happening. So we gave them $1,000 last month. Uh, We'd like to do as much as $2,000. So we'll see how our own finances hold up. See if we're able to do that. And the other one is the University uh, Food Bank, which of course provides food uh, to local families and individuals so that they they don't go hungry. We gave them $1,000 as well uh, last month. We heard back right away uh, saying thank you so much that it's they the way they frame it is this work is always important, um, but with COVID now more than ever, their work their work is critical and thanks so much for supporting them. Uh, the other one is the Ronald McDonald House, which is our main philanthropy. Uh, the Ronald McDonald House is down the street from Children's Hospital and the way uh, that operates I think it's the same nationwide, but essentially for families that have a child who's receiving treatment at um, Seattle Children's Hospital, um, instead of them having to commute, uh, if they live pretty far away, uh, then they can stay at the Ronald McDonald House, uh, the whole family, and they, they don't have to pay or they don't have to pay very much. And so we provide meals uh, to the families there. That's our main philanthropy. Now in person, we would be going once a month and providing the meals and serving the food to the families, which is always uh, a really, um, you know, it's honorable, but it's really rewarding uh, for us to have the opportunity to help and to meet the families and to kind of support them through, through their life challenges. That's very humbling. You walk out of there <laughs> uh, thinking that you got first world problems, you know, and your life is pretty good um, because you're not facing some of the challenges that some of those families are facing. And it always is remarkable how the kids will get in line for the pizza that we're serving and they're smiling and they're happy. And you're thinking you've got, you've got cancer and you're having treatments, you know, every week and you're happy. I got nothing to complain about kind of thing. Um, with COVID, we haven't been able to serve in person. So what we've been doing is um, paying for the pizza that gets delivered and then they, uh, they serve themselves essentially because they can't have visitors because they're already, uh, they already have health compromises, which is why they're there in the first place. So having visitors is not possible. So that part of the business has continued, right? Keeping up with our charity work, keeping up with our philanthropies and our connections to the community and keeping up with each other. Uh, And you're right, uh, the treasurer and I speak pretty regularly to make sure that uh, our finances are in order. Uh, Our finances are relatively in good shape though. Our principal balances have been declining over the years. And so we've had to reduce the amount of money that we've been able to donate 
uh, each year. So that's hopefully going to recover at some point. When I uh, try to talk to my treasurer, I, I can just see from the computer screen, even if it's on email, him rolling his eyes at another expense like I do uh, send his way. <laughs> but that's what you want, right? You want a, uh, a free spending secretary and a, a cheap treasurer, and somehow they come together and they sort it out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. As a, um, you've been a Mason for, for 10 years. Um, you've obviously gone through the chairs, been a worshipful master. Now you're the, the secretary. How do you see, like, like, so I'm, I'm about 10 years in myself. I joined 2007, so 13 years now. Um, obviously when I joined, there was no, no concern of COVID, nothing like that. It's very relatively a quick process. Um, I know you talked about, you know, trying to maintain contact with, with brothers and, and things of that nature or with applicants and, and making sure you're keeping in touch with them until you can bring them back in. Um, more in general, how do you see, um, do you think that, that the current situation we're in will encourage people to join, not just masonry, but other organizations when this is all done? Because being in lockdown or being somewhat isolated, they'll have more of a desire for these type of civic groups? Or do you think it could be the opposite? People will get used to isolation and being alone and maybe be less inclined to join groups. That's a great question. Um, I'll start with the brethren. And I think what I hope is that the brethren will realize the great opportunity that we have to be together and to have those shared experiences in person and that they will come back to lodge and participate and be, be highly engaged, whether they were before or not. Uh, you know, people are always balancing their personal lives and, and all of the things that are pulling out their time. And um, my hope is that the brethren will return and um, and appreciate just that that we're that we're able to. For guys that uh, are interested, um, you know, I think this is a whole social experiment of you know people who who thrive in working at home are really enjoying <laughs> that opportunity, right? For people with long commutes who don't have to drive them. Uh, but there are certainly a lot of people that uh, working from home isn't, isn't possible or isn't that effective. And so, and there are people who've lost their jobs. So I think the, the effect of COVID is kind of different for different people. But for people who who are wired to connect to others. I think the, uh, the lodge is an exceptional place to be able to do that. And for people who want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves, the lodge is the place where that happens. So I don't know the answer to your question, but I'm hopeful that there will be an interest in, in connecting. Um, you know, I've had six people reach out to me over the last couple months who are interested. Um, one of them is a Mason who moved up from Oregon, right? And so you have 
you have Mason's on the move, and then you've got new guys coming through. And I think between both of those groups, once we return, we can really nurture that. Uh, I will say though, because we can't meet in person, we have to do, we have to make extra efforts to connect with guys like these Zoom calls. We never did Zoom calls before, but Zoom is not new. And so I hope that we don't revert back to, uh, you know, meeting once a month and maybe having an officer's meeting. I hope that we continue the virtual experience also and that we have, we continue to do better outreach. We continue to do Zoom calls, even when we're in person so that there's more connection points, which I think help guys uh, stay connected. We, so we've done a handful of Zoom calls and presentations and every single time there's a guy on there who, who we haven't seen before. We have brothers in different countries, you know, all over the world. We had a guy in, um, in Turkey join a Zoom call and he got up at five in the morning so that he could hear the presentation. And, you know, as the secretary, I know his name. I know he's on the rolls. I know he pays his dues. I never met him because he lives in Turkey. And he joined the Zoom call at five in the morning. And it was funny because it was nighttime for us. And he's like, all right, I got to go. I got to go to work. Because <laughs> that's what time it was there in Turkey. We had a, an 84-year-old brother named George who joined the last call. And George hasn't been to Lodge in a long time. But George could hit click and show up. So in an interesting way, the Zoom calls have enabled brothers to access the lodge um, where they wouldn't normally be able to because of their age or where they live. And so that's been a pretty neat thing. So I hope we don't lose that when we come back. I'm hoping that we can do both. And I think if we do that well, we can bring more interest, keep the interest, keep the engagement and bring guys uh, into the fold, whether they're current brothers or new guys. Where do you, where do you think engagement comes from? Because this has been, uh, I think, a struggle for for masonry. Um, you know, how do you, how do you encourage uh, maintaining that engagement with the lodge? I know you're saying, uh, you know, we're all kind of going through the same experiment and we're finding that that Zoom is a way to encourage engagement um, for older brethren, for brethren who due to distance or circumstances just can't physically be at a lodge. But how do you think, what are some ideas you have to just maintain engagement both currently and also in lodge resumes so we don't see these you know, issues of attrition that, that we see so often. Um, you know, a, a engaged, it could be engaged in, in masonry in general or in a lodge in particular, just that engagement with, with a Masonic lodge. Yeah. I think people, people become interested in masonry for different reasons and they are proud to be a mason for different reasons and they come to lodge for different reasons and they uh, benefit from showing up in lodge for different reasons. And for some, I think it's the ritual. They, that's their spiritual connection, and that's why they come to lodge. 
for other guys, it's the social, the social interaction that they they connect with other guys, and that's where they get that that fix, I guess. And so that's why they want to come to lodge. Um, for others, they they're excited about their the role they play as an officer, and so they're very proud of that. So the I know that our musician, as an example, is an amazing musician, and he appreciates what he contributes to the lodge that he gets to um, play his music that he's passionate about and it adds a whole new flavor to degrees and, and the meetings and so and some people uh you know come for for dinner you know <laughs> and so it's like they come to get a good meal so great so people come for different reasons uh, so i think it's finding out more on a specific level what different individuals are interested in and making sure that they're getting fed that fix. I know some guys like Adam Alsobrook, who you talk to, he's a big time researcher and a big time architect. So he loves to do research on Masonic buildings. And so when I picked up on that, uh, I worked with him to give him um, access to some of the records in the lodge and some of the blueprints of the building. We set him up to do a presentation. I've included some of his work in the trestle board. So it's kind of like once I knew what his engagement need was or what gets him kind of hooked, I fed it, right? And so that's just one example, but I think as, as we know what guys one out of the lodge, how do we feed that? And so that they get excited about it and get their, get their fix, I guess. And it can't all come from, from any one person, right? So it's gotta be what the lodge does on a regular basis because it can't be up to the secretary or the master or anybody else to make sure that everyone's needs are getting met. But I think when I joined, I didn't realize that. And I thought everyone kind of came for the same reason. <laughs> uh, some people come for the charity and that's what they're all about is the charity and there are some guys that don't participate in that at all because they're more into the ritual they love mentoring new guys and they love teaching new guys the cipher and and uh, helping them with their proficiencies and that's why they're in it and it's all good there's no wrong answer it's and each of those ways can engage guys uh, but if you, it, I guess it's providing those opportunities because if you're a guy that that's going to engage you and those opportunities aren't there, then you're going to, you'll, you'll fade out. When would, um, as, as a lodge welcoming or even meeting with a, a, an applicant, um, when do you think you, you start to broach those questions do you think right from right from the application process before they've joined you start to figure out okay what are you interested in not necessarily just so much what do you you know the one thing i always struggle with is, is a lot of times the question that an applicant gets asked is you know what do you hope to get out of masonry which is always tricky because if they've not joined and the only thing they know of it is you know their own research they may not know what it actually offers necessarily 
which is why I think sometimes the the approach would be we first tell them about it and they kind of go on from there as opposed to asking why they want to join because they may not have a good idea or they may not have the good idea of what the craft is which is why maybe it's a good idea for us to to explain it to them well but in terms of their interests and connecting with them and engaging with them on those interests um, do you think lodges should should broach that topic early learn what an applicant is interested in and see if there's a place for that in a Masonic lodge or just have them go through it and figure it out and kind of pay attention as they go through to what they enjoy. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to have the conversation uh, early. Uh, and I would also have it often. And so it may be part of, of you sharing the great things your lodge is doing. And it may be an opportunity for them to see if it's a good fit for them. Right. So I think fit is an important part of the candidates or a petitioner's uh, journey and a selection. And we, we always recommend that they visit several lodges and not just ours. Um, masonry is a great experience, but every lodge kind of has its own DNA and it may feel a little different based on the makeup of the guys that are there. So if you're candidate you want to be in the lodge that feels like it's the best fit and part of that decision making might be you know i have an opportunity to do different things um, like charity or mentorship or presentations and masonic um, lectures or traveling to other lodges and different things like that uh, so i think it is a good idea Oh, sorry. What, what do you think makes a good fit for um, masonry in general, or even a particular lodge? Um, we've all come across, and I'm sure you have in your your ten years, guys who they they come in and for whatever reason they just seem like they're not a good fit for the craft or for um, the lodge, and then you see them once or twice, and then never again. What? Is this is something I've struggled with is how do you gauge that that whether they'll be a good fit or not? Because it seems it just seems like such a challenge. Yeah. Right. So I think you want a genuine interest in learning. You want a genuine interest in um, putting in, like participating, putting in time, putting in effort. You know, you hear the, the phrase, whatever you get out of it, what you put into it. And if you don't put anything in, not only do you not get anything out of it, but we don't benefit as a group from your, your efforts and your skills and your, you know, your passions and what you could bring. Going back to the musician, right? If the musician didn't participate, he misses out on the lodge, but then we also miss out on hearing his music, right? And so it's kind of both. Um, participation can look different for everybody though. Uh, and I'm realizing that as we go, uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, there's this 84 year old Mason who joined the last Zoom call. I hadn't talked to him before. Subsequently, I, uh, we talked on the phone and I got to know him a little better Masonry plays a huge role in his life, and it's his kind of guiding pillars, if you will, in his uh, 
moral conduct and how he treats others, his kind of outlook on life and always wanting to make a difference in his community. And so on the one hand, he's a freaking rock star Mason. He's like the model example Mason. Um, but you wouldn't know it because he doesn't come, hasn't come to lodge in forever. And so I think if you're, if your metric is how often you show up to lodge, whether that makes you a good fit or not, may not, may not always work. And of course, there are guys who just disappear and they're no longer interested. They don't participate at all. They fade out. They don't reply to uh, emails or letters when you're trying to reach out and connect. And it does make me wonder as secretary, what happened, right? Because at one point in your life, this was important to you and you joined and you went through the degrees and you put in the work and then you've, uh, you've vanished. And how do we prevent that? So it's a really good question, Cameron. I don't, I think fit is a good one for us to uh, continue to discuss in Lodge because um, we want it to be a good fit and we want to stay a good fit. It's kind of like the, the um, retention, right? Like we don't recruit and I like that. But once you're in, I think working to retain guys is everybody's job. To support. Everybody can't go. We don't want to... Uh, um, we want to bring people in if they are not a good fit, not not just from a, a law perspective, but from the individual's perspective as well. We don't want him to do something that turns out to be a waste of his time if he finds it's just not for him. Because um, we're, you know, there's there's fees and there's a time commitment just to join. So we want to make sure he's, he's engaging in something that he's going to, to remain engaged with. And, you know, we don't want to waste anybody's time, either lodges or the applicants. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You know, it, it's interesting. They, they always, it's always fun to disagree on a podcast. Um, you talked about lodge attendance and, and you brought up the, um, the 84 year old brother. Certainly, you know, there are, there are, are health reasons and, and reasons of age and even reasons of distance um why a brother just can't make it to lodge for whatever reason but they still want to be a member you know we've had brothers move to uh so we're, we're in windsor ontario moved to bc which i'm sure you're familiar with um and even though they they're you know seven eight provinces over they still pay their dues to their lodges in windsor and are still members because they're not interested in, in joining another lodge they may visit but they want to be a member of you know Windsor Lodge or Harmony Lodge where they joined but I've always wondered you know those brothers who are within they're they're in the city there's no health reasons at least that the lodge is aware of why they can't make it or anything like that and you just don't see them it seems that they're just not I don't know I've always struggled with the idea of, of you know are they uh, are they a good mason? Are they really getting sufficient out of it to? I mean, we get their dues, but 
I always say I'm more interested in a, a brother's attendance than their dues. You know, we'll find a way to make the lodge work financially, but the fewer and fewer members you have attending, the harder and harder it is to get the work done. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, when COVID started, we we did some pretty significant um, outreach to our older brothers to check in with them and see if they needed anything. This is when, you know, the grocery store shelves were empty and people were fighting arm wrestling over toilet paper. <laughs> at that, at during that time, uh, I gave a list to the officers and said, here are the like 30 guys we need to make contact with. And these were all guys in their 80s, 90s who are not on email and we haven't heard from them in a while. And so um, we sent them letters and we called them and we, um, we uh, made an effort to make contact to see if they needed anything. And we got a hold of most of them, which is asterisk. There are still some guys that you can't even get a hold of, but they're on your roster and makes you wonder, are they even alive and what's, what's happening with them? But most of the guys we got a hold of and every single one of them appreciated that we reached out. So I think there's the lodges on their mind somewhere. It might be a couple of files back. It's not always in the front of their mind, but when the lodge reaches out to them, they, it, they appreciate that and they reconnect. Um, so I think maybe, and that took a systematic intentional plan to do that. And there was a group of us that put that together. So how do you maintain something like that? That you have systems where you, maybe it's every month, you know, certain people um, do some outreach or what have you, that it's, it's a concerted effort to connect with, with different brothers that um, you're just, it's like a wellness check, right? Just checking in on them because you haven't seen them, haven't heard from them, well, make sure they're okay. So it's just a thought, but uh, we showed that it, that it would work, you know? You mentioned those, uh, <laughs> excuse me, you mentioned those, um, uh, I guess ghost brethren, the, the names are on your, your register, but you can't get in touch with them and they don't, don't respond. I, uh, I think every lodge has a few of those. I knew a, uh, a secretary who would give a guy, um, um, especially in the case of life members who they're not paying dues, so you don't get to them that way, they're like members, um, give them two, two chances to respond. And if they didn't respond, he would mark them as, as deceased on the next Grand Lodge return. Yeah, yeah. Which one way to clean up your list, <laughs> So we lost the, uh, the lodge wouldn't have to get the, I don't know how it works in, in I'm assuming it's the same way, you know, there's a, you pay a certain amount to Grand Lodge per member um, every year, right? Whether they, and, and that's also how things like your, um, your lodge assessment is determined for your temple um, and your, your district deputy assessment, it all goes, expenses divided by member or, or cost divided by members. So, you know, the greater number of members you have, especially when you get to that like membership stage who aren't putting in dues, you know, it's more important than ever that they remain active or, or 
remain in contact with with the lodge or vice versa um, because otherwise um, or if anything does happen you know heaven forbid that we know about it because nothing's worse than you know having a guy on your roll for five or six years and finding out he's been deceased but he's never been taken off and nobody knew and and just that maintaining of contact um it seems to be something that that a lot of lodges are struggling with you wouldn't think so because with technology the way it is you think it'd be easier than ever to to find people but i know most lodges go through these systematic purges every five or six years of you know deceased brothers demitted brothers suspended brothers um, what are some ideas for that? You talked about the systemic approach you took at the start of COVID, but just in general, do you think that that comes from from lodge so often not being at the top of people's minds? You know, you always hear family work, Freemasonry. As family and work become more and more all-encompassing, you know, maybe you move three or four times and forget to tell the secretary your new address or you get sick and don't think to tell the secretary you're ill. I guess, how do we keep Lodge at the top of mind of people so that as we're going through life changes, the secretary isn't the last to know? Right, right. This is, that's, that's the magic question, right? So one thing that we did, um, we did this during the COVID outreach, but I think we'll continue to do it. There's a lot of brothers where all I have is their address. I don't even have a phone number and, um, and I don't have an email. And so what we did is we created uh, postcards that are self-addressed stamped to the lodge and it's just um, contact information, right? And, and you put a stamp on it and so you mail it to them and in the letter you say, um, I'm updating the contact info, hope everything is good. I don't have a phone number for you or an email. Um, and is this address still current? Please fill out the postcard and drop it in the mail. And we actually got quite a few back. We got about half of them back that we sent out. We sent out about 40 and got 20 back. And uh, so now then I updated their info because now I have their phone number or a handful of guys. Now I have their email. So it's easier to stay in touch. Uh, so that was a successful uh, venture. So we'll keep that up. And then with the trestle board, uh, I email the trestle board to all the brethren that I have their email, which is about 180 guys. And then I mail about 40. I got it also. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mail. Yeah, there you go. Um, I mail 45 um, printed copies in snail mail for the guys who I don't have um, an email for. And sometimes those come back, you know, bad address or whatever. And then I do my best to try to hunt that brother down to get their, their latest contact info. We also mail Masonic birthday cards. And so when it's their Masonic birthday, I put a card in the mail to them. And sometimes those come back. So it's a way to stay in touch, <laughs> but it's also a way to find out, hey, do they still live there? <laughs> Are they still alive? And uh, if, you're, if you're not uh, reaching out in any way, you could have a guy who moved, you know, a couple of years or what have you. Sometimes I'll get those mailed back, but they'll say forwarded to, or the person moved, here's their new address. And then I'll have the new address and can send it an update. So it's a lot of work. And you're right. When, when you move, 
uh, you know, telling the secretary may not be the, the first on your list. And when brothers die, the wife doesn't always think to tell the lodge. So you, so you may not know right away. Yeah, it, it, it just, it strikes me as a symptom of, of kind of the, the larger problem that I've, I've, I think cremation is facing is that, um, you know, lodge is just not top of mind for, for, you know, a large number of members. There, there are some who, who are dedicated to it, but for so many, I especially think since the 60s and 70s, ever since you started to see an increase in, you know, two income households and kind of wage stagnation, the result of which being people are spending more hours at work or, you know, the same amount of pay reflected with inflation and, and all the quote unquote modern challenges that, that come up, the room for Freemasonry, especially as someone grows and gets a family, uh, that sphere becomes smaller and smaller. And then, you know, the guy who forgets to let the secretary know his new address is also probably the guy who doesn't attend lodge. Um, you know, if something's top of mind or you're thinking about it, you're more likely to, you know, I, there's a correlation there between who, whose address you don't have and who you're not seeing in lodge. And, um, you know, the, the brother who, who passed away, but you don't find out about it because he finds it inform you, probably also not a brother who was active in lodge very much or, or for, for many years. I guess it's just, you know, there's, there's lots of things that, that I, and I love the postcard idea. I think I might try to implement some like, like here, just hearing it, that seems like a great way to clean up your list and, and improve your data. But how do you, I don't even know what, how to find the answer to it, but how do you make Freemasonry, like the other way around, how do you encourage it to be, to be top of mind? So it's not, you know, if something's always there, you can kind of, you know, take it for granted and then forget about it over time. It's this idea of, making sure brethren feel connected enough or feel it's important that they, like I said, they keep in touch with the secretary about life events and they, um, you know, first thing I did when I created a will was I thought about where's my apron gonna go? Where's my Masonic regalia gonna go? Like, who's going to let the lodge know? It was almost, it's almost up there with the same idea as like organization stuff. It's just something that is always on my mind. So, but I have a major event to think about it. What, um, do you think that's just in the modern world with all these problems, with, or not problems, but with family and work, taking up more and more space? How do we keep masonry at the top of a brother's mind? Yeah, I think you ha masonry has to play an important role in their life, you know, whether that's, them attending in person or or the way they live their life and so they're they're connecting to their experiences that they've had uh, or them participating in the charities we have some guys that don't come to lodge but they come to the ronald mcdonald house when we're feeding the families because that's their thing you know so maybe it's just a continued effort to connect 
with all the members and finding ways that the lodge can play a role in their life um, so that it's current and not something that was 40 years ago. Um, but I think that's, that's an ongoing, it's an ongoing challenge because people's needs change and their life adventures change and uh, their priorities change. I know when I had, I have three little kids, so my priorities changed for a little bit and I missed meetings because I had to raise my newborns, you know? And then as we got <laughs> above water, then I was able to come back to the lodge. So um, but what I think is happening, what this is doing for me, Cameron, is I'm realizing we need to talk about this more in lodge because this might be something that we intellectually know or maybe have even complained about, but never like really talked about it in a way to figure it out and do something about it. This is the first conversation I've had about this in a real way. And so that also needs to change. I think lodges need to, or at least my lodge <laughs> needs to um, have these conversations with the brethren, at least with the officers to figure out how are we going to have these conversations more often and create a plan to engage brothers, keep them engaged so that uh, lodges on their mind. And I apologize, I got about one and, more Sorry? I have about one more minute and I have a, uh, another meeting. You know what I like? I think that that's a perfect place to end it because um, that has always been, um, I, I in, in not in so many words, but but maybe that's always been the underlying kind of concern I have over masonry is making sure that that lodge stays on the mind of the brethren. Um, and I like what you said. I love the postcard idea. I think that's something a lot of lodges can learn from and something I would like to implement in, in Harmony, just hearing it. I'm sure there's a way that could be done because, you know, organizations live and die based on a lot of things, but one thing is based on, on the accuracy of the data they have. So the more information we have, the more accurate it is, the better a lodge is going to function. Yeah, that's right. That's All right. True. And with that, I think I'm finished for now. My tour of the University Lodge officer. <laughs> you got the trifecta. And members. But I, I hope I got the trifecta. Hopefully uh, I can do this again with you guys, but perhaps in person, I'll come visit one day. I'd love to, to see your lodge and see your temple in person. Uh, we'd love it. We'd love it. So glad we're in touch, Cameron. And thanks for all your hard work uh, with the podcasts and uh, keep up the great the great Masonic journey that you're on. Uh, thanks for letting me be a part of it. Thank you so much. Remind everybody watching this, please hit the like button, subscribe button, comment, support on Patreon, all that good stuff. And with that, thank you so much. Thanks, Cameron. Be well. Take care.